Hey, Resiliency listeners, welcome back. My name is Silas West. I'm your co-host, and our other co-host, Steve Finley, is in another city right now. And so it's been hard for us the last few weeks to be in the same place at the same time to do a recording together. Well, we do have a special episode planned for you. You don't want to miss it. We're going to talk today to one of my friends, Chris Paget, who recently did a sabbatical. And so he's going to share with us a little bit about the importance of sabbatical and how it helps us to be resilient people. So stay tuned. And after our intro, we will get on with the show. Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resiliency of field workers. Twice a month, co-hosts Steve Finley and Silas West bring you their conversations with long-term field workers or experts in the field of member care with the goal of encouraging you in your life and work of cross-cultural ministry. Hey everybody, welcome back to Resiliency. If this is your first time listening to Resiliency, welcome, and we hope that you enjoy it. If you're a regular listener, please think of someone you could share this with. We'd love for more and more people to be able to hear from our amazing guests, and we really want to hear from you, so please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, on Instagram, at Resiliency Podcast, or email us at resiliencypodcast at antiochwaco.com. Also, as I often say, your reviews and ratings will help others find the podcast, so if you found this to be a helpful resource, please help us make it possible for others to discover it. In order to have a healthy Christian life, it involves continuing spiritual, emotional, and relational growth. A lot of us, though, we get stagnant, and we get stuck in a stage of our our soul's journey. It's not always clear where we get stuck or why we get stuck, and so it makes it difficult for us to move on to the next step. But that's what Bill and Christy Goltier are all about. They are the, the directors of Soul Shepherding, and in their book, Journey of the Soul, Bill and Christy draw on a bunch of hours of, of one-on-one time with people, providing therapy, spiritual direction, just to show how we can identify our current stages of faith and the next steps to take based on our unique needs and struggles. They use a biblically-based perspective. They also have self-assessments and and soul care practices that they recommend in the book to support our progress along the way. And so I just want to recommend this book. It's called uh, Journey of the Soul, and I can't recommend it highly enough. And if you go onto their website, soulshepherding.com, and look for their other resources, you won't be disappointed. So... Without further ado, I want to just tell you, go get yourself a copy of Journey of the Soul, and also get ready for our interview with Chris Paget. Well, good morning, Chris. Thanks for being here today. And Thank you. For the sake of our listeners, uh, Chris, you and I, we've known each other for a couple of years. And more specifically, I had the privilege of being your sabbatical coach this year, which is why I invited you to the interview to talk about the sabbatical because I kind of know that um, I was getting into some safe territory by asking you about it because I know exactly how your sabbatical went. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, uh, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? And um, I already wrote the script to you, so I said be sure to tell them all how amazing I am. So you've had some time to prepare. <laughs> uh, what you're going to say about me? Just kidding. 
I ran out of ink, Silas, on all the amazing things that you do. So hopefully I'll remember some of the other things. But hey, thank you, Silas, so much for uh, this opportunity today. I wish Steve could be joining us as well. But yeah, my name is Chris. My wife and I lived in North Africa and served there for eight years after doing several years of ministry with college. So we had college ministry for a number of years. Then we served overseas for eight years, and then we've been back here in Austin for a little over eight years now as well. And I have been the nation's director out of the Antioch here in town, just mobilizing, training, equipping, and sending and uh, folks from here overseas, as well as all of the different people that we have serving internationally I get to connect with them on a fairly regular basis. So that's kind of the role that I've been playing now for the last eight years based out of Austin. And Silas, you are quite an amazing man. Yes, you are a man among men. I receive it. Um, Thanks. So as you know, uh, sabbatical is an important thing to, I mean, just the resiliency in general, the topic of resiliency Sabbatical comes from that, that, that word Sabbath, that same root word that we get Sabbath from, which has to do with reorienting ourselves, reorienting mm-hmm. ourselves around God, who he is and who mm-hmm. in us. And, um, and even just looking at all the way back to the manna, the stories of manna and how on the Sabbath they, they weren't to go out and reap and, and produ- not reap, what's the word? Uh, collect, collect manna. Uh, because it was orienting themselves away from what they do and uh, to who God is as provider. I, I, so I, I just kind of want to know if you agree with that idea that sabbatical is a, a time of reorientation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really very much firmly do. I remember, and I'll get into my sabbatical here in a little while, but I remember as I was meeting with our staff the Tuesday right before I was launching into sabbatical and they said, hey, Chris, how can we be praying for you going into the sabbatical? The first thing that came to my mind, because I very much believe it, and I said this to the team is, hey, please be praying for me because I want to just get back to loving Jesus because mm-hmm. of who he is and not because of what I do. I mean, really, that's that was my whole vision for Sabbath or sabbatical was I want to just be reminded that Jesus, first of all, I'm a worshiper of you and I'm not a worker for you. And I want to be with you, God. I don't want to do for you. Um, Being in full-time ministry for nearly 20 years, often we kind of get that mentality of we got to go, we got to work, we got to do all these things for the Lord. And I feel like he's constantly just reminding us, no, first and foremost, you're a worshiper, you're my child, and I just want to be with you. And so, yes, I wholeheartedly believe that the longer we're in things, the more we kind of have to take that pause to reorient to the root of who we really are and what God has called us to do. Mm. At the same time, when we are serving in full-time ministry, I liken it to running marathon. And when you're running a marathon, you're not walking a marathon, right? When ministry, we're running, we're running hard. We're trying to, to go just like we sign up to run a marathon, but we don't run at a sprinting pace for a marathon because we're over the long haul distance and doing ministry for 20 years. I've learned to run at a marathon pace and in any sort of marathon that we run every one mile or three miles or however they set it up, 
there are aid stations. And in those aid stations, when we come up to them, we don't just blow through the aid stations. We have to take that time and slow down, let our heart rate come down, get the electrolytes in us, the, the salt or sugar or whatever our bodies need. And then we come out of those aid stations able to run even further than we were before. And so I kind of look at kind of Sabbath and then sabbatical as a whole of doing this full-time ministry, running a marathon. We have to take those times and really um, take advantage of those aid stations that come along in our race of life called ministry. Mm. That's awesome. Thank you for the heads up and preparation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got your back. Um, so take us into, into your sabbatical a little bit. Tell, tell us a little about how, how you organized it, what you did. Just tell mm-hmm. us about your sabbatical. So on my sabbatical specifically, like I had mentioned, I was in probably 20 years of ministry, full-time ministry, and we served overseas for eight years. And so after serving overseas for seven to 10 years, you're eligible for a sabbatical. And that's when one's recommended. And we actually came off the field at that time. So I kind of fell through the cracks on that timing or missed that window on a sabbatical. And we came back and within a couple of months, uh, I was on full-time staff here at our church. And then I kept running and kept running. And as many of you guys that serve overseas know, when you come back to the States for refuel or whatever, that's not necessarily the kind of break that you're needing. So in between coming off the field and starting this role, I didn't have that break that I really was hoping for. So then I got into full-time ministry here in Austin and I kept going and running and running and trying to get a sabbatical in after 10 years of full-time ministry, 12 years of full-time ministry, and it just didn't happen. And so finally, after eight years of serving overseas and then eight years of being back here, I was finally granted a one month sabbatical. And I was really hoping for two to three months at a minimum, just because I needed to let my soul catch up to my body. Uh, But I was given one month and I was like, hey, I'm going to take full advantage of that. You as my sabbatical coach, I know talking with you about it, you said, hey, Chris, Take a look at the boy that brought two fish and fire and however many loaves of bread to Jesus. And Jesus took whatever that little boy had and he was able to multiply it to feed 5,000. So you have been given one month. So how can the Lord multiply that time for you to where you're coming out of sabbatical fully alive and actually blown away by the miracle of what God did with the the short amount of time that you had? So what we ended up doing was I kind of started my sabbatical before my sabbatical officially started about two weeks before I really started winding some things down and I started going at my pace of life of running 70, 80 miles an hour. And I was able to to dive into sabbatical on day one at internally about 30 miles an hour, which really helped. Um, I spent those two weeks leading into sabbatical sleeping a lot more than I thought I needed to. I don't know how many of those days I slept for an hour and a half, two hour nap each day. I slept for about nine hours because my body was just starting to catch up and saying, hey, you need rest. And so those two weeks before I started slowly releasing the different responsibilities that I had, I was passing things off to different people. I was saying no to 
regular meetings and only taking the meetings that I needed to do in order to get ready for my sabbatical. And then when my sabbatical started, I went on a 12 day road trip to the Appalachian Trail. And with my wife's full blessing and full permission, because we have three kids that are in high school, that I know that it's not just me that's being affected by this, my wife was being affected. So through lots of counsel with her and talking with her and her really believing in what I needed to do, she released me on a 12-day road trip where I took my RV and I spent three days working my way to Georgia and I played disc golf along the way and napped. And then I got there and for about five or six days, I just hiked and I kayaked and I slept and I played disc golf and I did things that were restorative to my soul. And I know as a pastor, this is going to come across a little, <clears throat> I shouldn't probably say this, but in those first 12 days, I didn't really read my Bible and I sure as heck didn't journal and I didn't pick up any of these self-help Christian books or vision books and read any of those, that is not what my soul needed. And I think that once I got to Georgia, my internal speed was probably 10, 20 miles an hour. And that is what I needed to just sit in. And I just sat by the river and watched the birds and the butterflies. And I sat there and for hours at a time, and I just did what my soul needed. And that was just unplugged from everything. In the first day of my sabbatical, I was kind of itching. I got to check my email. I got to check my email. And I remember you said, no, Chris, your main responsibility is taking care of your soul. And so you don't need to check email. Mm -hmm. And the first day I kind of felt that wrestle internally. And then after day one, I was like, forget email. I don't care. I don't need to know anything that's going on. And I told my team and my wife back here, only contact me if somebody in the field dies. And if somebody in the field does die, please contact my wife and then she will contact me. Other than that, I don't need to be touched or disturbed because we have everything in place. So I spent those first 12 days of just playing. And then I slowly worked my way back to Austin. And so then for the remaining two and a half, three weeks, I gardened and I ran and I slept and I had lunch with friends and I just did things that I needed that were good for me because I know myself better than anybody else knows me. And I know that some people want to do language sabbaticals or educational sabbaticals or project sabbaticals. And I went, no way ever am I going to do anything not like that on my break. My break, my brain is shutting down. And I, that's what I really, really did for about that month. And then it, towards the back end of that month, the first part of that sabbatical, I really just you asked me a couple of questions, Silas. You said, first week, hey, who are you really? The second week, you said, what are some gifts that are within you that have been dormant for a while that now that you're taking a break, you can kind of get back into those hobbies, gifts, writing, whatever it is. What are some things that you can really kind of lean into? And you said, we're not going to look future until the very back end of your sabbatical. And so I didn't, I didn't think what comes after my sabbatical until probably five days remaining in my sabbatical. And then, so that last week I started thinking, okay, coming out of sabbatical, what have I learned and what am I going to apply to my daily life and my ministry rhythms that have, that will be better for my soul that I didn't realize I was doing, or, Hey, I've been doing this wrong. How can I hit the reset button? 
so that I can come out of sabbatical really well. So then my sabbatical officially ended. And then I spent that next week slowly kind of coming to the surface because that whole bends thing, right? If you come up too quickly, you're going to cause damage to your soul. And so my team really let me ease my way back into sabbatical. And that first week, I literally just slowly got caught up on some things. I didn't check email until like Wednesday or Thursday of that week. And it was just, I eased my way in. So I think I was able to somewhat milk seven weeks of a sabbatical out of an official four weeks. The Lord did multiply those seven weeks to where when I finally got back in, I felt like my soul was refreshed and restored and I was ready to get back to work after only a four week sabbatical, which is a really, really good thing. The Lord multiplied that time like you had mentioned. And the final thing was I, felt like I heard the Lord going into my sabbatical through you, Silas, and through some different people of I'm not falling into sabbatical, but more I'm launching from it. And so I had that mentality. One person on my my sabbatical prayer shield had a spot on picture for me where she said, Chris, I feel like you've been cultivating your garden and you've been working on the garden of your soul with the Lord for years now, and you've been pulling weeds and nurturing different fruit and vegetables and things like that. And she said, I feel like going into this sabbatical, the Lord's not going to look at any weeds and pull anything up. The Lord just wants to sit in your garden and admire all of the fruit and vegetables that y'all have cultivated together. And he just wants to sit and be with you. And I felt like that was the word of the Lord for my sabbatical. I didn't need to do anything internally. I just needed to be with the Lord. And I heard the Lord before, and I was able to have that as my theme throughout. So I hope that answers my oh. question about kind of the overall view of what my sabbatical yeah. was like. And my goodness, you had you had an amazing sabbatical coach. That's what I, I had. I mean, my coach made it all. I mean, it was it was perfect. You you led me through, and I really do believe this. I know we joke about it, but when you do something on your own. It's hard to, to really, I think, do things well. But when you have a coach helping you think through things you might not have thought through or asking you those challenging questions that you just want them to tell you the answer. Coaches are a real pain in the butt. I will say that. I'm like, just give me the answer, please. But you were gracious enough and you didn't give me the answer. You made me really dig the answer out internally. And then I owned it a whole lot more than if you would have told it to me. And so the uh, sabbatical coach is one of the most important roles that you need to get in place when you do lo- uh, launch into your sabbatical. Mm. Well, I will yeah. say you made it, you made it easy because you're very responsive, but something you said in, in, as you were talking about that, what the way that we, we did that mm-hmm. uh, by not having you look at the future until that very end piece kind of going back to that idea of reorientation, if we aren't allowing ourselves to be reoriented and then we start looking at the future, we're going to, we're going to basically live, we're going to come out of sabbatical shaped by the same mentality, the same orient right. that we went yeah. into in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By, by looking at, well, let's not, let's not think about the future until this very end part, we're able to apply what we've learned and experienced through sabbatical uh, to how we want to live out the the future and the next steps. And I, I'm really glad that, that you did it that way. Yeah. One of the, that probably came from a motto that we have in our family 
And I know that when I say ETN, everybody thinks, oh, engage the nations. <laughs> and in our family, that means enjoy the now. Enjoy the now. And we would go on vacation with our family and they would, our kids would be like, well, what are we doing tomorrow? And what are we doing the next day? And we're like, we're enjoying the now. Hey, kids, ETN, let's just enjoy the now and enjoy what we have right in front of us and take full advantage of this moment right now. Tomorrow, well, tomorrow will be something else where we get to enjoy. But right now, we're going to enjoy it. So ETN, enjoy the now. I think Jesus said something like that in the Sermon on the Mount, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> So, Chris, you're you're in pastoral ministry, uh, at least uh-huh. of your life now. You're not right. in international or global ministry. So, right. you, obviously, I felt like you had something to say to to this conversation because I invited you to 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 speak. Yeah. But how does your experience? How does it it set you up to talk about sabbatical, even from your own pastoral ministry, versus you know somebody who might be overseas? You know what I'm saying, like the. You're, you're, you're dealing with different things. You're having different crisis or different stresses than maybe your overseas global worker. So was your sabbatical, it, it, does it apply to overseas workers? Oh, I mean, wholeheartedly. Absolutely. We, uh, me as a pastor, uh, I operate under a level of stress, uh, different things going on because like counselors, we hear a lot of different things uh, in people's lives and we have to counsel different people. And so we operate under a different, we, we carry the weight and we carry the responsibility. It's like a, a vest or weights that we constantly have on us and taking those weekly rhythms, taking those monthly rhythms, taking those yearly rhythms are extremely vital if we're going to want to make it over the long haul. Then I think about, that's me being here in the States, but I think about living when we were living overseas in North Africa, and that's a different kind of weight and responsibility and spiritual warfare that we have to endure on a daily basis. And we don't fully know the amount of spiritual warfare that we're going through until somebody says, hey, you're going through it a lot. I remember at a conference one time, one of our gals serving in Uganda was like, how do I know if the level of stress that I'm going through is normal? We're sitting thinking, wow, you had no running water or electricity for three weeks, and there are bombs going off in a different city, and there are riots happening in your city, and you're just thinking, oh, this is normal everyday life to me, where some of those outsiders are going, oh my goodness, the level of stress and anxiety you must be going through on a regular basis, plus not having a movie to just go sit and unplug to or not having friends that you can call up on a regular basis, people serving overseas go through a lot different kind of stress and a lot more or a lot different kind of spiritual warfare than they're aware of. And so how much more so when you're running and being a light in a very, very dark nation and the enemy pressing against you, how much more so do you need to uh, care for your soul? If you're going to make this for the long haul, right, we signed up to follow Jesus for our lives, not just for a three-year term. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to do this for 40 or 50 years, we have to take advantage of those aid stations when they come along our way. We have to put the car in the shop for that preventative maintenance. And so there's no difference, in my opinion, between whether I'm doing full-time ministry, vocationally, 
or in my actual business that I'm running versus those people that are serving overseas, taking those breaks to care for the depths of our soul, reorient ourselves are vital if we're going to keep following Jesus and not only following him, but ideally serving him when we're 70, 80, 90 years old. So yes, vitally important silence. And I'm a pastor, right? I think pastorally. And I know apostolic people, they want to run hard. And there's that tension between the apostolic and the pastoral. And both are vitally important because apostolic people are like, hey, quit focusing on your hearts and let's take, let's fulfill the vision that God's called us to do. And yes, I need people coming alongside saying, let's go, Chris, let's go. And I also need to come in and say, yes, and let's take care of our souls. It's both, right? There's that the apostolic pastoral tension that we will always be living with. But it is, both of those are so incredibly important yeah. to do what we want to do if we want to see Antioch around for 100 years. And the ministry that we're doing around for 100 years, we have to have both working hand in hand with one another. And we, we see both of those embodied in, in the person of Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I know you, you have some big takeaways that you got from your sabbatical, and I was hoping that maybe you'd be willing to share some of those. A couple of big takeaways from my personal sabbatical were, number one, I had to give myself permission to take the time off, right? I, I didn't need to feel guilty about it, and I wanted to take advantage of what was given to me. I am not as important as I think I am. <laughs> Often I think, oh, I'm super important. This thing's going to happen. This wouldn't happen without me. I'm not that important. So none of us are as important as we think we are. So I had to give myself permission to step out of my role for one month, seven weeks, and let other people do my role for me. And that this ship was going to keep on moving, whether I was in that role or not. So number one, I had to really give myself permission to take this sabbatical and not feel guilty about it. Another key takeaway, Silas, and I mentioned this a few minutes ago, was having a prayer shield, Mm -hmm. right? I had a number of people that committed to pray for me uh, leading up to, during, and after my sabbatical, and not only praying for me, but praying for my wife and praying for my kids and praying for my field staff and praying for the different things that I had going on. So every other Monday, I sent them a text of what's been going on and what I need prayer for. And several of them gave me pretty powerful uh, impressions beforehand that led me into my sabbatical. Different people gave me different scriptures during, and they prayed for me coming out of it. And that prayer covering during my sabbatical was palpable. Like I really sensed I am covered in prayer right now, and my family is covered in prayer. So a prayer shield was a key component for what I was going into. Like I mentioned, I started before my sabbatical started, right? I didn't just hit day one of my sabbatical and be like, okay, now what am I going to do? I really said, no, I need to start ahead of time, mentally thinking, planning things out, right? If I was going to go hike the Appalachian Trail, or parts of it, please. I didn't hike the whole thing in six days. I hiked a couple of pieces of it. 
and went back to my RV and slept in my RV because I was just, I'm too old and I don't want to sleep on the ground, on the dirt. But I had to plan that out. I had to make reservations. So I really started planning out my sabbatical long before it happened. And I heard the Lord beforehand leading into it versus day one. Oh, now what do I do? Right. I wanted to take full advantage of my time that I had and not squander a single day. Tying into that, another point was I met with my coach regularly. So I would say, get a great coach and then meet with them on a regular basis. Silas, you and I set up the plan to meet every single Monday at 9 a.m. And that was the only rock I had in my weekly calendar for that month was Silas, 9 a.m. No matter where in the United States I was, I was going to meet with my coach and talk with him and work through some things. One of my, our meetings, I was at a road stop, roadside stop, I think in the middle of Alabama. And I called you and said, okay, it's 9 a.m. Here I am on my drive, but this is, I'm not going to say, no, Silas, I can't meet today because I'm driving. No, I said, this is one of the most important things I need to do. So I found a good coach and I met with them regularly both leading up to during, and then we met for about three weeks afterwards, help you helping me come out of my sabbatical and get into the rhythm of what I needed to do. Another thing is, like I said, I unplugged from everything. I couldn't unplug from the role and responsibility of being a husband and being a father, but Amy and I talked ahead of time and we said, but hey, let's let's figure out what we need to do here and how I don't just dump everything on you, honey, for a whole month. But I really she really carried a lot for me uh, because she really knew I needed it. I turned my phone off. I would get different texts and I would just respond saying, hey, I'm on sabbatical. I'm not going to respond to you for a month. And I had everything, my auto responses. And I purposely told some of my teammate, my team members, if I reach out to you and ask something, your first response needs to be, do you really want to know that? And at one thing I did reach out and they responded appropriately, but I really unplugged from all responsibilities, everything that I could. Because again, number one, I am not as important as I think I am. Another thing I really took away from this is you get out what you put in. And so I really did everything I could into the sabbatical, not only in my heart, but in all of my roles and responsibilities, I put, I worked hard in order to receive as much as I did from the Lord. On the back end, I did start getting into the word again, and I really did start journaling, but I put in time of just, let's go play, let's go have fun, let's go be with the Lord, and then he really, I really started clearly hearing his voice probably I'd say week two or week three of my sabbatical, because that first week, I just was dead. Give yourself permission to sleep a ton and to not try and accomplish much. Just be. Again, that was the theme of my personal sabbatical. I feel like those are probably some of the big takeaways from my overall sabbatical. I think one of the things you're going to ask me is what advice would I give to people? And I feel like this is probably Again, one of my massive takeaways was we have an Antioch uh, sabbatical guideline, and it is taken from the navigators. 
and all that the navigators have experienced. And Antioch, we're only 20 years into this whole thing. So sabbatical is still a fairly newer type of thing, really needing to, to implement it. But the navigators who've been around for a long time, they actually put together a great sabbatical guideline plan, and we have gleaned some of their truths from them. And I, that's probably some of the biggest advice I would say to somebody is get this sabbatical guideline that we have and take out the word guideline. I mean, it, it, it's more of a structure. It's tips. It's pointers. It's a helpful resource to help you plan out your sabbatical both six months before a month before, during, coming out of your sabbatical. It gives resources to your sabbatical coach of things that they could be asking you. But one of my biggest takeaways was probably that guideline and that plan that we have as a resource and taking full advantage of it and coming up with a plan. I mean, you and I came up with a great plan and I tried to follow it to a T and yet you were extremely gracious with me. And so that would probably be a big takeaway as well as a big piece of advice I'd give to folks is plan well, plan well, plan well. Yes. If there was something that you could, that you could do differently, what would it be? I would, I would give myself more time. I really, I mean, I really do wish I would have had more time. I know the Lord did multiply the short time that I did have, but I mean, we very much, there's the medical uh, research that you could probably speak in more to than I can. But when your serotonin levels are really low and your endorphins are low and just so many different, the stress that we live through, there's a, we need time. Our bodies, right. Need time to catch up. Our souls need time to catch up. There's a great book out there called soul keeping. Mm-hmm. And it's the first story in there is about uh, an explorer that went down to, I think, South America somewhere. And he had a bunch of the local guides help take him. And the first day they did a massive trek upstream and trying to go explore these new lands. And the next day he woke up and he was ready to go. And the guides were just sitting around the fire relaxing. And he's like, I'm ready to go. And he's like, they said, no, we need to let, we need to allow our souls to catch up with our bodies. And I wish I would have had more time to let my physical body just get restored. And I took all of those naps. And I wish I could have taken more time to meditate on that first, that question you asked me the first week, who am I really? And just sit with this. I just want to be with the Lord and hear his voice for a few weeks. And then move on to the next question of, what are some gifts that are within me or things that are lying dormant? I wish I would have had a couple of weeks to really process through that. I wish I would have had a little bit more time on the back end to think and dream about what's future going to look like. And so I wish I would have had a little bit more time. Yeah. Right. And that's probably what I would say about time for anybody that's thinking and wondering how much time should I take? And I think one of the main things I would say to them is take as much time as you can, right? Sabbatical in full-time ministry comes around once every seven to 10 years. And so take as much time as you can. You're not as important as you think you are. Six months out of your ministry role will be just fine compared to three months out of your ministry role. Even if it's 12 months, take as much time as you can. And then with that time, plan out really, really well what that's going to look like. And then have your coach walk alongside you, keep you accountable to it, help direct you through it. 
and don't feel guilty about taking six months off or 12 months off. A story when I was growing up in, in Kenya, actually experienced it. My One of my friends, there were missionaries in the northern part of Kenya that it was very tribal, nomadic tribe area. And we picked up a, a warrior who was walking along the road and he got in and it was the first time it turned out that he'd ever been in a vehicle before. Mm. Down the road in this Land Rover and he starts looking with this look and he's like, I, I, I need to get out. And we asked him why he's, I have to get out. He was just like panicky. I've got to get out. And so the, the, the father of my friend who was driving us, he, he pulled over and he lets him out. He says, why, what's wrong? What do you, why do you have to get out? He said, because my soul was left behind. Wow. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's really, really true. We, we get running hard and we go, I mean, we go for it. God has called us. We only, right. If we're going to have an eternal mindset, we think this is the only time in the history of all of eternity that we can actually do something for God. Because once we get to heaven, we get to worship him forever. So this really is our small, small, small window of actually getting to do things for God. And so we have to have that mentality. We have to go. We have to give our everything to see his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And at the same time, we cannot run this marathon or this ultra marathon of life at a sprinter's pace because we are human. We are finite beings and we do not live in eternity yet. And we have to let our physical bodies and our souls, we have to nurture those things in this thing called an ultra marathon that we're running. So yeah, got to let our souls catch up yep. to the, the hard pace that we are all running. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris, I wish Steve could have been here for this interview. I, I know he would have loved it, but we can both tell you how grateful we are for being on the podcast with us. You've been a gift. You are a gift. I'm so thankful for your friendship and just would love to ask you to end our time by praying a prayer of blessing over our listeners. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you, Silas. Father, I'm so incredibly grateful for each person that's going to listen to this. Lord, I just thank you for each one of them that we are giving our lives to you to see your kingdom come. And we want to give you our absolute everything because this is all that we have. And yet at the same time, Lord, would you help us nurture our spirits and our souls and our minds and our hearts and our emotions to the extent that you would have us do that. Father, each person Lord, would you, as they are contemplating sabbatical, if they're in the middle of sabbatical, whatever it is, I'm asking for heavenly wisdom and discernment for you to give them. Lord, would you speak to each one of them that they would hear your voice clearly? Lord, those that are planning a sabbatical, Lord, would you give them wisdom on what they can be doing in order to maximize the time that they have? Lord, over all of it, whatever it's going to look like, or would you bring restoration to our souls? Because when I'm 90 years old and when each person's 90 years old, we still want to be running hard after you. We do not want to burn out. We do not want to, to just run out our tanks to run empty and we just can't go on any further. Or would you fill our souls, fill our spirits with vision, with hope, with life? Lord, restore unto us the joy of our salvation. And Lord, every single listener, I just ask for a blessing over them. 
the Father's blessing over them for you to minister to each person wherever they're at in whatever season they're at. So that they would hear your voice. They would hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. I love you. I love you for who you are and not for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Resiliency. Special thanks to Antioch Music and their original song, Nothing Can Stop, for our intro and our outro music. Tune in again in two weeks for our next episode of Resiliency. Stop you.